Hi, welcome to Teach Me Biology, our revision podcast for A-level biology students. I'm Ria Corbett. And I'm Sarah Matthews. Hi, I'm Ria Corbett. I'm a science, a former science teacher with biology specialism. And on Teach Me Biology, I am teaching my co-host and little sister, Sarah Matthews. Biology, a level topic by topic to hopefully provide you, our lovely listeners, with an audio revision resource. Yes, we hope that you incorporate us into your revision and as a part of your learning journey. Dip in and out, listen to the episodes on your weaker topics, or use us as your audio biology bible. Whatever you need us for, we are here. Okay, episode 86, Feedback Mechanisms. So in this episode, we're going to talk about negative feedback and how it restores systems to their original level and the possession of separate mechanisms involving negative feedback, which controls departures in different directions from the original state, giving a greater degree of control. So what is homeostasis, Sarah? It is homeostasis is when you're trying to regulate the internal body environment uh, to keep it all normal and um up to regulation. <laughs> keep it in regulation. Standard. Yeah, to keep things, to keep a stable internal environment. Yeah? Yes. And what sort of conditions did we talk about? Or are we concerned about changing? Uh, like if the body gets too hot or too cold. So or, temperature. Uh, the body, gluco- blood glucose. Blood glucose. And uh, like poisonous in the body, like carbon dioxide poisons. So as pH levels can be affected pH by carbon dioxide levels. levels. And uh, just uh, keeping the enzymes well. Yeah, trying to keep your enzymes intact. Yeah, good. So we talked about the different conditions that we need to keep constant and the reasons for that last week. We didn't really go into a lot of detail about what the mechanisms are that ensure that all those different things stay constant and stay stable. And we're going to briefly touch on them today. But again, the real detail is going to start next week when we really go into blood glucose level and the proper mechanisms that are used to talk about it. But what we need to sort of get a grasp on today is just the fact that we have feedback mechanisms in these things that allow us to stop the change once we've reached back to normal level okay so that will become quite normal it will become quite obvious what i'm talking about as we go through it but say your body gets really hot because you're poorly and your body kicks in to regulate it and bring it back down to a normal temperature once it reaches that normal temperature you don't want your body to keep going cooling it down and cooling it down so it goes the other way too much in the other direction so we have negative feedback in our body So when your body goes back to a normal temperature, your body can then stop doing that so that you're normal. So, and again, with blood glucose, if you have a really high blood glucose level and your body kicks in to lower it, you don't want to then be going too low. You want to stop when it gets to that normal level of blood glucose. So we have negative feedback systems that will stop that from happening. Okay. We'll start to introduce the idea that of the receptors and the coordinators and the effectors that are involved in these systems. And we're going to briefly talk about homeostasis in a more of a GCSE level, just to give it context, Mm -hmm. but just making sure that we understand that it's only really the feedback mechanisms that we're talking about that's new and relevant A-level information. The actual control of temperature and blood glucose level that we talk about today is only going to be that GCSE level that you will have already learnt, GCSE, not the A-level stuff that you will need, okay? And that will come next week. 
we've kind of talked about this sort of idea before where we talked about the nervous system and if there's a change to the environment that you have receptors on your body that respond to that stimulus there's a coordination center that decides what you're going to do about it so your brain and your spinal cord and then you have an effector which carries out the actual action or the reaction we're very much relying on that as a basis for homeostasis okay so again you've got your your optimum level or the point that you want your body to be at in terms of temperature blood glucose whatever it might be your receptor is always going to detect that change your coordinator will coordinate the fix so it will decide what your body's going to do about it your effector will bring about the measures needed to correct that problem okay and then you have a feedback system so that the once the effector has actually done its job and returned the system back to normal that it's important that the feedback gets back to the receptor to say the effector has done its job we don't want to overcorrect stop now does mm-hmm. that make sense yeah yeah so stop stimulating this system stop telling the effector to do it because it needs to stop doing it so we don't want to push it too much in the other direction as i've already said so we have actually negative feedback that's what it's called I'm going to talk in quite a lot of detail about negative feedback and then we're also going to talk about something called positive feedback at the end. Negative feedback basically turns the system off, turns the mechanism off that your body has adopted to try and correct a problem that your body's having, okay? So if we were to just sort of briefly talk about how we briefly, and I mean briefly because this is nowhere near the A-level detail that you will need and that will come next time, If we talk about how we control blood glucose levels, we could talk about the negative feedback within that. Okay, so we have got a couple of resources. We've got a resource that briefly talks about control of blood glucose and a resource that briefly talks about control of temperature. We're going to sort of use those as a way of, of talking about this. You've pulled up the body temperature one first, so should we talk about body temperature first then? If your body temperature, so your body temperature needs to be a normal temperature, as we know, to keep our enzymes intact okay mm-hmm. if we become poorly with like say a virus or a bacterial infection our temperature can increase what happens is the blood flows through the brain and our hypothalamus is our temperature regulator and within that as the blood flows through it or past it we have temperature sensors and they will detect that increase in temperature so you've got those receptors there that are sort of detecting that problem it will say it's too high Okay, what will happen then is your brain will decide, right, we need to lower this. And the ways that we lower it are all listed here. Okay, so there's quite a few things that can happen. There's obvious ones like you start to sweat. So your sweat glands start to overproduce. So you get a lot of sweat released from your body. That has a cooling mechanism. So as the sweat evaporates off your body, it takes heat out of your body with it. And that cools you down, so it's removing heat from your body, okay? Your blood vessels will dilate and they will move closer to the surface of your skin so that the heat can easily leave your body through the skin. Bigger vessels, more blood flowing through and closer to the surface of the skin so it's easier for the heat to be lost from the skin. And then you also get the idea where you're trying to let heat out so that the hairs just sort of they lie down on the surface of the skin and, you, and, and so that the heat can leave. Once your body has returned back to a fairly normal temperature, you don't want your body to still do those things. 
You yeah. don't want your blood vessels to be dilated and to be near the surface so heat is easily lost. You don't want to be sweating so that heat is lost from your body because then you're going to go in the other direction. As the cooler blood is flowing through the hypothalamus, the temperature sensors will again say, oh, okay, we're all right now. Tell the effector to stop. That's negative feedback. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's the same in the other direction. If your temperature falls to... So if you're in a cold environment for too long and your body temperature is starting to suffer, the opposite of what we just talked about will happen. You blood start vessels, to shiver. You start to shiver. And the hairs will go up. Hairs go up to trap layers of heat. So you get your goose pimples. Your, your blood vessels will constrict, so they'll get smaller. So vasoconstriction. And they'll move away from the surface of your body. That's why you look paler when you're cold, because your blood's constricted away from your skin. Yeah. Trying to keep the heat in. You're shivering because you're trying to create heat. Okay. So that kind of like producing energy as heat energy and it warms you up. All those things are happening. And again, once your body's warmed up, you don't want to still be doing those things. It will stop. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that is negative feedback. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it's the way of saying, you need to stop doing this now, otherwise we're going to go in the other direction. In terms of the blood glucose level, so if we look at the next slide, again, this is a brief sort of GCSE level style yep. thing. Okay. So we've got like a normal blood glucose level. It can be read in lots of different ways. So, so five milligrams of glucose per 100 milliliters of blood. This is 90. 90 milligrams, yeah, of glucose per 100 milliliters of blood. Depends on what units you're using. It will depend on what that number says. So you eat a meal and your blood glucose level goes up because you're digesting the carbohydrates, the starches, the maltoses, down to the glucose and absorbing it. So your blood glucose level goes up after eating. The blood is going to be th flowing through the pancreas and there's a little section of your pancreas called the islets of Langerhans. And there are alpha cells in there. They're going to detect the blood glucose level being too high. So what will happen is the pancreas will start to release a hormone, a chemical messenger hormone called insulin. So that will go into your blood. The insulin is going to go in the blood to the liver. And it is going to tell the liver to open up glucose channels in the cell membranes of the cells. So that the glucose that's in the blood as it flows through goes into those cells and it gets stored as glycogen so that the blood glucose level will go back to normal. So your body cells in your muscles and the cells in your liver will start to take up that glucose and store it as a insoluble glycogen chain for a little while. And that will bring your blood glucose level back to normal. Yeah. If it goes too low, so you haven't eaten for a while, you've exercised too much, you haven't got enough glucose in your blood, it will go too low. Again, the pancreas will detect that change, but instead of releasing insulin, it, it releases, releases glucogen. glucagon. 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 Okay. The glucagon is going to do the opposite of the insulin. It's going to flow to your body cells, your muscle cells and your liver cells. And it is going to break that glycogen down into glucose. So it is released back into the blood to increase the blood levels. Once that happens and the blood is flowing back through the pancreas as normal again, you don't want the hormone to still be released. That's causing the change. So the pancreas will go, oh, OK, blood glucose is back to a normal level. Stop releasing insulin. Because if you don't stop, we're going to go too low. Oh, we're going to go too high, stop releasing glucagon. That is negative feedback. 
effectively, insulin's release causes its own reduction in the end. So the alpha cells will stop basically secreting the hormone that's causing the change. What's really important is that you've got a control there in both directions, if it goes too high and if it goes too low. There is a mechanism in place to stop that from happening. And there's also a mechanism to stop it from going too high or too low once you've corrected it. That is massively important because it gives you that control in both directions. It's not saying, oh, okay, it's gone too high, so we'll do something about it. But it doesn't matter if it goes too low. The person will just eat and it'll be fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's not just relying on the human body itself or metabolism to bring about the change. It's actually making it happen itself. And that's why it's better and it's safer. It's only going to work if the external conditions are right. You can't be exposed to freezing temperatures for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and expect your body to produce heat from nowhere. Eventually, it will stop. There has to be some glycogen in your body as a store for you to release as glucose. You can't be somebody that is starving their body and have nothing to rely on. You have those external conditions, the the normal ways of eating and keeping yourself healthy have to be kept stable as yeah. well. Does that make sense? Like yeah. There has to be some kind of glucose there. Now, positive feedback is also a control mechanism, but it's, it's not about going back and saying, right, we've corrected the problem, stop. It actually forces an overcorrection, which can sometimes be good, but can yeah. sometimes be bad. Okay. So actually, positive feedback isn't about homeostasis because it's not about keeping a stable norm. It's about actually pushing it out of, it, out of the norm. Mm-hmm. It can sometimes amplify the change, as it were. So that's a good thing for, like, say, the example that's in the textbook that I read was about producing blood clots. So it, positive feedback was occurring with the platelets. So if you have a cut and platelets go to that area, they will start to produce a chemical. So lots of different chemicals. So some will be ADP, throboxane, uh, serotonin, different chemicals. And those chemicals will cause the release of more platelets and it will amplify that change and cause more of those things to happen and more chemicals and more platelets so that they can all aggregate and cause a blood clot. Does that make sense? That's a little example of positive feedback. It's not about homeostasis. It's about making sure we get more and more and more and more of that thing to heal the body. Yeah. But there can also be quite negative things because positive feedback tends to only really happen if the systems are breaking down. So, again, another example would be when it's really cold, when your body's in a really cold environment for too long and you're losing heat quite quickly. Your brain can't detect that change as fast as it's happening. So anything that had been put in place to stop you from losing too much heat would actually stop. So if you're cold and you're shivering, but the temperature's still cold outside of your external environment, and your body's still losing the cold, losing the heat and losing the heat, your body just can't detect that. So it will stop the shivering, which means you're going to get even colder. Lots of sort of problems that can occur, really. But again, it's pushing away from the norm, which is an issue. 
yeah so that's that's what positive feedback is and there are lots of examples of that if you actually read around the subject area you'll find lots of examples especially with like um like repairing bones and things like that there's quite a few if you read around it yeah so that's it really that's sort of talking about that but again we can't really talk about the ins and outs of blood glucose control without talking about negative feedback beforehand yeah. and the importance of it so and then like the next episode would just be too long if we had to incorporate that into it as well so yeah just a little episode just on negative feedback positive feedback mm-hmm. mechanisms so should we do some questions yeah first question in humans when the stomach starts to become full of food receptors in the wall of the stomach are stimulated this leads to negative feedback on the desire to eat Suggest why this negative feedback is important. Three marks. So you don't overeat? Yeah, so one mark would be because it limits the amount you eat, stops you eating. Um, why do you stop eating? Because you don't need any more so nutrients. What, what is your body telling you? You're going to be sick. No. <laughs> what is your What is your body taking away from you? Hunger. Yeah. It's making you stop feeling hungry. It's taking your appetite away. It's reducing your wish to eat, stopping that desire yeah. to eat, however you want to put it. Yeah, good. So one mark for negative feedback stops the desire to eat, stops your wish to eat, lowers your appetite. To stop you eating too much. To over- stop you overeating. So that's two marks. So you don't gain weight. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. So it prevents or reduces the risk of overweight, obesity or having too much energy. What is negative feedback two marks it is when your body is regulating homeostasis in the body internally environment (laughs) keep saying all the words that we've discussed um by stopping you from do you you have to give an example or something no no so one mark for departure from a normal level and therefore causes those changes to restore back to normal Okay. okay So when your body is having a reaction to a change in your homeostasis, that it will then cause, once the correction has happened, your body will go back to a normal way of being because it doesn't need to do it anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, good. So those those were the questions really again, because it's hard to find questions that are as just simple as like those sorts of things. You're not going to see that many. In fact, I don't think there was any in the past papers. I think I just looked up other examples of exam questions it could be and or ones that were past the specification like before the specification yeah yeah right very short roundup okay negative feedback is used in many homeostatic control mechanisms to maintain homeostatic balance negative feedback must involve a receptor a coordination system and an effector Negative feedback helps maintain a normal range of in, by ensuring that receptors are no longer stimulated when the factor being controlled returns to normal. Positive feedback produces a response that causes the factor to deviate even more from the normal range, therefore enhancing the effect of the original stimulus. Got any takeaways? Eyelids of Langerhan. Eyelids of Langerhan. <laughs> yeah, what are they? Like a... An Alvish island. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly right. That's exactly right. Or it's a group of cells in your pancreas. Yeah. That detects a change in your blood glucose level. Eyelids of Glangagan. 
Islets of Langerhan. Islets of Langerhan. That's it. There is negative and positive feedback. Yes. And these are to do with corrections in the body to yes. regulate a normal uh, internal environment. Yes. Homeostasis. Homeostasis, stable environment. Yes. Regulation. Regulation, stable, normal, all good. constant. Constant, maintaining <laughs> a good body. Maintain, so constant, yeah. good, stable environment. Um, stable, constant, maintained. So the wider reading is still going to be the Science Hour on BBC World Service. It is just a science podcast and it's talking about different things in science. But again, you need to find the, the biology-based episodes. And then within that, I suppose, the episodes that interest you or that are related to what you're studying. So again, find those ones that you like. But that's called the Science Hour BBC World Service. OK, give that one a go. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to contact us, you can go on our website, that is teachmescience.co.uk. You can drop us an email at teachmebiologycast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at, at teachmebiocast and on Instagram at, at teachmebiologycast. You can also, if you so wish, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash teachmebiology yeah. or buy us a tea because ours is tea. Ours is tea and we love tea. Well, I'll let this one go cold because I was too busy talking. Was that so, the bell? Yeah, that was the bell. Oh. I like your um, thing you've got on there. My fleece? Yeah. I've got lots of fleeces now. I really got into the fleece. The fleece. During the cold weather. And what kind of, like, design would you call that? Geo, geo, geometric, it's called. It's from Next. It's £31. That's quite expensive, isn't it? Yes. But is it warm? Oh, yeah. What's it like inside? Nice. Mm-hmm. She wears really colourful fleeces now. Yes. They look like something from the 90s, though. <laughs> this one, does it? Yeah. Not we really. haven't recorded for over Christmas on it, have we? So no. it's been all Christmas. Last Loads time we recorded was like Halloween, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just before Halloween. Um, so it's, it's been, been a while. It's been a while. Any good films? I uh, I've seen Any a couple stories? of movies. I've seen Avatar 2. Didn't love it. I mean, it's all right. I've seen a Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody. That was pretty good. Um, oh, we watched a film last night called Pride, uh, which I've seen before, but Maisie and Tom had never seen it. That's really good. That's on Netflix. It is a movie about the coal miners' strike and how oh, um, a, a gay man decides yeah. he's going to start a group yeah, called, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, the lesbians and gays support minors, yeah, and then uh, they basically uh, raise loads of money for them, and um, it's really good. And then at the end of the movie, all of the minors turn up and go to Pride because they supported them, and so they supported them. Oh, that's and lovely. it's a really good movie. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Uh, my name's Sarah Matthews, and I'm Ria Corbett. This has been Teach Me Biology, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.